When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is James Campion, the author of Shout It Out Loud, the story of Kiss's Destroyer and the making of an American icon. And you are listening to my buddies Tom and Zeus and the Shout It Out Loud cast. Rock on, boys. It's 1973, and Led Zeppelin releases the follow-up to one of the greatest albums in rock and roll history, Led Zeppelin IV. Houses of the Holy changed the course of the band and solidified their evolution. We discuss Houses of the Holy on the latest Led Zeppelin Chronicles. Before we get to Houses of the Holy, we're going to go back and look at our feedback for Zeppelin IV. Tom? That's right, boys. Welcome to another episode here. Let's talk a little bit about what we had last time we were there, and that was back in July uh, with Zeppelin 4. And, of course, we always do a poll. We always pick the top four songs here. And in our opinion, the top four songs for Zeppelin 4 were Stairway to Heaven, Rock and Roll, Black Dog, and When the Levy Breaks. And to no surprise, Stairway to Heaven takes the poll with 33%. Surprisingly, when the levy breaks, a very close second at 29%. Rock and roll at 21, Black Dog at 16. Going to get into a little bit of uh, feedback here as we talk about the Zeppelin Chronicles here from uh, Twitter. A lot of people had a ton of things to say about Zeppelin 4, of course. Of course, we love our jokes here for uh, Uncle Polly. I think Kiss released Hotter Than Hell and Dress to Kill in less time than these last two Zeppelin Chronicles. <laughs> However, it was worth the wait. Yes, that's right. We take our time. God damn it. <laughs> our buddy Jack Pinocchio sent a picture of one of the most insane tattoos I've ever seen in my life. It is a picture across his entire back of the Swan Song logo. Like a naked guy with his arms up in the air and the wings with lyrics to Stairway to Heaven across his entire back. Absolutely in incredible stuff the feedback can go on and on here but of course we want to get into houses of the holy but zeus has a couple more things he's going to share from facebook before we do that the great chris lathrop from the pot of thunder hot take four is among my three least favorite zepp albums hey something's got to be in that group and that's okay because he's right it's zeppelin Right? right? It's That's Zeppelin. Right. It doesn't make a difference. They're all in- incredible. So, Ivan Jackson, I came into Zepp on this record, so it'll always be my favorite. Going to California is my go-to for warming up on the acoustic guitar. Such a beautiful piece of music. One thing you guys didn't bring up in Black Dog, you brought the fact that a hard time with the timing. But if you listen closely right before the drum comes in on the verses and throughout Bonham clicks his sticks together to help the band come in together and in time i hear it every time now super cool great episode kevin that's a great fucking point that's awesome man thanks for bringing that up 
hey, can I uh, make a quick reference? Uh, I know that this is four months after we did the review, but did uh, any of you folks recently see the Rolling Stone article of that the uh, allegedly someone identified who the individual was that is uh, represented yes. on the cover of Zeppelin Four? That's right. That's right. Just yes. came out. Yep. They found yep. the and they found that it wasn't a painting; it was a picture. That's right. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. By the way, by the way it's but, Murph. By the, uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm. Back. I was just going to no, say. By the way, that's the Murph at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Murph. For those who don't know, if you don't know who Murph is by Houses of the Holy, you're not paying attention. God damn it! Over on our Loudcasters uh, page, John Whiteman puts a uh, a photo of says, "I think I figured out who the wrinkly old man on the cover is." And if you look closely, it's Paul Stanley. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. He superimposed it. Nice. Oh, God. Oh, man. Got the wheat for the pizza dough. <laughs> the great Jason Ward and sweet episode once again. Historic album. I think the first song I ever heard from them was Misty Mountain Hot. Hooked me from the start. When the Levy Break is a tune I absolutely love. Went from being a deep track to being featured in an Oscar winning movie like Argo. Love to hear Zeppelin movies in loud. Four is going to be hard to top. But so looking for the next Led Zeppelin Chronicles episode. Uh, and finally, the great Paul Hyder. Just finished the episode at work today. And as I turned it off, Stairway to Heaven was ending on the work floor. Guys I work with asked me, hey, who sings this song? I gave him a hard time about not no. knowing who it was. But time had passed, and people forget what came before, even the classic. They said, hey, I like this song. I love metal, especially old school stuff. But the most powerful music isn't being played today, in spite of the avalanche of technical noise and vomit vocals. That's fucking numbing. The most powerful moments, as you all noted, are found in the quiet build of a song like that. This is something to rediscover and treasure, especially today. Stunning. Well said, my friend. Absolutely. To, to kind of piggyback off that comment, I just had a comment or a, a conversation with somebody the other day about Led Zeppelin and about the technology and algorithms that record labels use now to, you know, approve songs for albums. Led Zeppelin would not exist today because of that. Imagine a, yeah. a record. A record label would tell Zeppelin, "Stairway to Heaven's too long." You got to yep. cut this down by four minutes. Cashmere doesn't fit the algorithms. It's not going to be heard on radio. You either scrap it or we shorten it. I mean, mm -hmm. just about how twisted and deranged the music industry is these days where bands that we've connected with and stay connected with for 50 years plus wouldn't have a place in the music business today. It's true. No, you're Amen. right. Great Amen. point. Yep. Tom, what do you got? Uh, let's blow through a couple emails here. Our buddy Patrick Butterworth sends us a, a nice long uh, dissertation on Zeppelin Four. Patrick, <laughs> we love hearing from you. Good stuff. Uh, you know, he says, great show. Next one will be great, too. I'm sure, yes, House of the Holy will definitely be great. Uh, and then we got another email here from Angel Canino. The episode was really good. For what it's worth, there are no bad tracks on the album. Case in point is Four Sticks. The song is very good, but in the grand scheme of the album, it's one of the weaker tracks. But still, even the lowest ranked songs on any Zeppelin album are better than much of the main tracks on any album of that era, specifically because of the musicianship alone. Best vocalist ever, best drummer ever, maybe best bass player ever. And of course, 
not the best guitarist, but top five of all time, in my opinion. Jimmy made up in lack of playing with outstanding compositional skills and diversity. Great email, Angel. Love that. And then we got a quick hit here from William Fullard. Zeppelin Four is a phenomenal album, but I think their best is Physical Graffiti, more complete body of work. Well, that's coming after House of the Holy, so we'll see what we have to say about that. Um, but that's some emails. That's some feedback. I think it's time to dig into Houses of the Holy. That's right. So Houses of the Holy, we're going to talk about first how we first got into the album, what it meant to us. And uh, let's start with you, Jay. Yeah, this was probably one of the last albums that I got into when I started my Led Zeppelin journey. Obviously, I spoke about how my journey began with the bootlegs that my cousin brought from California before my junior year of high school. And I got really into the live music. And then I started with like Led Zeppelin 2, Led Zeppelin 4, all the Led Zeppelin albums, 1, 2, 3, 4, you know. And then Physical Graffiti. And then I dove into House of the Holy in large part because I was captivated by the Rain song, um, which I still love to this day. It's a beautiful arrangement. And having heard all the bootlegs, and then hearing Song Remains the Same and Over the Hills and Far Away and, and all the songs that we're going to talk about, it was it, it, and it was different in Zeppelin, right? It wasn't so much blues-based, although there are a couple songs that are, but it really was Zeppelin taking a chance. And I admired that because when you consider that, like I said in the beginning of the episode, Led Zeppelin Four is considered one of the greatest albums of all time. For a band to kind of almost scrap what they were doing, and say, let's do something a little different. Let's let's shake things up. It's a lot of balls for those guys to do that. And that's why they're so awesome and so great. I would say, and we'll get into it, it was a lot different. Uh, but how I came on to the album, I would say Led Zeppelin 4, 2, 1, and then I probably came on to this. But you know, if I look back, I discovered this album through FM radio. Uh you know, classic rock, you know, some of the the older FM stations in the Boston area. There were three or four songs on this album that were getting played on a regular basis, you know, into the 90s. And they kind of seep into you. So then when you actually start looking to learn more and discover a, an album and how it all came together, you know, it was, it was later on that I came to the album. But these songs were already, you know, kind of percolating through, uh, my music stream, you know, well, well before. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, most people our age, it might've been probably classic radio, you know, classic rock radio that kind of introduced you to some of the, the, the quote unquote hits off of the houses of the Holy. Uh, but I, I can't recall the exact moment when I got my hands on the album, you know, the CD, the cassette, but I do remember. And even, even now listening to it, um, just the the striking difference, you know, between the first four albums and this, you know, they really expanded their sound. They experimented their sound. It was, they got away from the blues based verse chorus verse stuff that the first four albums became so known for, you know, the, the, the guitar heavy drum, heavy rock music of those first four albums. And there's certainly some of that on house of the Holy, but you start to see a lot more John Paul Jones. You start to see a lot longer songs, experimental type music mixed in with the acoustics and in the riffs and the drums and the bass and everything kind of, you know, that you love about Zeppelin. So for me, and I know we talked about this a little bit, 
you know, personally making it past the first four Zeppelin Chronicle albums, to me, it was almost like breathing a sigh of relief in a way that, okay, now we can sink our teeth into the real interesting part of Zeppelin's career. The stuff where the four of us don't know where we stand because these, these, some of these songs are so different. They are so unique. You know, there's no more Zeppelin four. There's no more Zeppelin two. Now it's going to be like, okay, what do you think about this band? And it's the reason why I love them because they're so unique and they're so creative. And I think this is the album that really started that trend for them. Yeah. For me, um, I, this is one of the later albums I got into for Zeppelin. I honestly, I'm not sure if I know anybody from our era or anything like that. It's like, oh yeah. Houses of the Holy was one of the first albums I got into. You always go to the numerical first couple albums before you get to this. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very different from the other ones, as you can tell. And, You'll hear as we get into, but for me, Houses of the Holy was one of the albums that I had to get into after I knew the other one through four, even physical graffiti. I would say the same thing for some reason, presence skipped that. I knew that one better because I bought the cassette when I was younger, but Houses of the Holy and physical graffiti. And even in, if you say in through the outdoor. I got into those after I was already into Zeppelin. And so when you really know the catalog, one through four, even even presence, which sticks out, you're like, whoa, this is a little different. Yep. And um, you either gravitate towards it and, and appreciate that it's different than what you used to, or you don't like it. Um, I'll be interested to hear what everyone thinks. But one thing we can definitely say is different is the fact that it's not a numerical number to this album. It's not That's Zeppelin right. 5. Yep. It's called Houses of the Holy. And it has probably the most interesting cover they've ever done, whether you like it or not. And that's what we do next. Let's talk about the cover. Jay? Yeah, like you said, it's interesting. It's intriguing. <clears throat> I know, how do I say this? As our society has evolved, I know people have tried to push back against this cover. Um, for, for reasons that may seem obvious or may seem a little ridiculous. Um, you know, this was, I believe a painting, um, that they selected for this album cover and you, you know, it's intriguing. It's interesting. It's a little odd, like most Zeppelin covers. I mean, think about Led Zeppelin four. It's interesting. It's odd. And it makes you kind of like, what the hell am I looking at? So. You know, with that being said, it's it's different. It's not one of my favorite album covers of the band, but it does bring you in. It's like, all right, what's this all about? So coming back, going into work, coming back from work each day, I, I take a, a commuter train out of the city. And the last couple of weeks, I've been listening to this album a lot. And I flinched and quickly changed my screen because when I pulled up this anything from this album, the album cover would pop up. And I think I would have been more comfortable if I had Pornhub come up <laughs> as, as opposed to what I had on here. It, it's, it's yeah, it, it has not aged well. Um, showing my wife tonight as we were getting ready, she's been hearing this a lot. She actually was, it, it, it's interesting, we can talk about more later. She knew a lot of songs from this album, and she actually made the reference was, is this the Led Zeppelin five? So, you know, it, it does indicate of how 
maybe it did reach a different audience, but everyone was just used to the uh, chronological listing. But it, yeah, it's it's uh, it was probably a weird album cover back in the day. It was Zeppelin being Zeppelin, and just you know, it hasn't aged terribly well. But it doesn't take anything away from what was uh, put on the vinyl. Yeah, so I mean, you know, we're talking about how striking and how odd the album cover is. For me, it was always obviously all the naked kids crawling up the rock walls, the mountains, and everything. But it was always that striking orange. It's such a Zeppelin type of thing. You know, it was a the photo shoot. Uh, it featured, you know, it was two naked child models, Stefan and Samantha Gates. They said it took them over 10 days to do this. And the, the pictures were taken in black and white. They were cre- the, the effect was created to make it look like there's like a, 10 or 11 different kids climbing all over it. Uh, it has that gatefold effect. If you open it up, it looks like it really opens up into like an incredible, incredible scenery. And it, 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 it's, it, it's stunning to me. What's really striking and actually kind of really eerie and creepy. Um, I have the vinyl, of course, but when you open it up, the gatefold, um, you have like this like mossy covered, you know, mountain with like these stone structures and there's a naked adult holding a naked child over his head like with arms raised, like celebrating, like it's, it, it's so Zeppelin. And I I wouldn't want it any other way. No other band could certainly pull this off in 2023 or even 1993, but Zeppelin pulled it off and it's iconic. It's legendary. It was nominated for a Grammy in the category of best album packaging in 1974. So um, yeah, it's weird. It's unsettling, but you, you cannot doubt how iconic it is for sure. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. 
Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Yeah, so they hired this group called Hypnosis. Yep. This world-famous London studio. Uh, The original first guy that brought this out to them came up with like a tennis racket. Yes. In front of this green tennis court. And they're like, what the fuck is this? He's like, well, racket, don't you get it? He's like, are you calling our music racket? And they almost got fired because of that. So then they came up with this thing. It's um, from a Arthur C. Clarke novel, Childhood's End. Mm-hmm. Not the uh, Carnival, of Carnival Souls. Souls song. And the title, actually, of the album itself uh, is from a fairly obscure uh, writing that Jimmy had found, which says the human race is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. we, as the people, are the ones, the houses of the Holy Spirit. Tom already mentioned the two kids who were seven and five. And you would think that there's like five different, six different kids here. It's the same two just placed all over the place. And then they're like, what was the other inside pitch that Tom mentioned? Is that a sacrifice or the Mm. kid grown up? Who knows? And he's holding his childhood self. Who knows what that's all that. And it's the first and last Zeppelin album ever to have lyrics. That's right. Inside. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and the liner notes have all the lyrics. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Didn't it also have a band around the vinyl? It did. Yeah. So I have. So I have the vinyl. Um. I have the those. I have the deluxe box sets for the entire Zeppelin discography that Jimmy Page released a few years ago that have all the hardbound books. Yeah. Zeus has the CD. It has and it. In the, and the, vi- the vinyl has um the the binder that it says Led Zeppelin Houses of the Holy, and you kind of have to slide that off to open up the vinyl because the vinyl itself, like Zeppelin Four has no markings on it at all. No band name, no album title, no song title, no codes, no manufactured by, none of it. It's completely blank. All right, let's get into the actual album. Okay? Yep. So, House is the Holy, released March 26th in the UK, March 28th in the US, just celebrated uh, in 1973, just celebrated its 50th anniversary. Uh, Jimmy Page produced it. The engineers were three of them. Andy Johns, who got booted. A guy named George Chaklotz, I think his name is, and Eddie Kramer and Keith Howard, I think the other one is, is the other uh, engineer as well. The album's gone 11 times platinum in the U.S. Wow. It was on uh, number one in the U.S. for two weeks. Rolling Stone has his number 278 greatest albums. In, 19, in 2020, he put it there. In 2012, it was 148. In 2003, it was 149. To say that there's over 100 albums better than this that came out after 2012 is fucking one of the stupidest things Rolling Stone has ever done, and that's Rolling Stone, so go yep. figure. Yep. It's the fifth Zeppelin album. It's the last on Atlantic Records. Uh, they used M- Mick Jagger's mobile studio at, uh, at his Mick Jagger's home, Stargroves. JPJ at this point and Jimmy had installed home studios, which allowed them to kind of get these songs already kind of started before they met up and uh, and then uh, worked on the songs because they were almost basically finished. Um, it's the 
the least, I would say, and I guess you guys would probably agree, bluesy album of mm-hmm. of everything they've done up to this point. By far. Right? Yep. It's uh, explored prog rock, folk, funk, psychedelic, Indian, uh, reggae, and it's way more electric than the previous album as well. Band kept saying they didn't want to repeat themselves, Jimmy said. It's very dangerous to try and duplicate yourself. With us, you never know what's coming. Um, it's not an easy one-time listening, and that's good. Uh, he says it usually takes a year for people to catch up with what we're doing. And uh, songs like Over the Hills, No Quarter Song Remains the Same, Rain Song, The Ocean. They were playing those songs live before the album actually came out. Uh, Robert says there's a lot of imagination on this record, and he prefers it. Uh, more than the fourth album because of that. Uh, it's the first album that they've done with all original material, considered mm-hmm. original. They had also some songs that didn't make the album. Houses of the Holy, the title track, The Rover, Black Country Woman ended up on Physical Graffiti. And then Walter's Walk ended up on Coda. But another little fun little fact, and this stuff is un, um, has not been released, is they actually recorded a bunch of songs from Elvis's golden records because uh, Robert Plant loves Elvis. Mm-hmm. And he did a bunch of that stuff during the studio, and they recorded it. It's never been released. Wow. Wow. I wonder if that's because of the uh, Elvis Presley's estate and you know the payout to do that stuff and put that on a Fuck record. no. Elvis lets anybody hit those people. Priscilla's like, I'll take every fucking cent you got. No, they're not. They're not like Zeppelin. They, they you want to do it? Go ahead. Do you see some of the artists that covered honeymoon in Vegas soundtrack? <laughs> anybody can do Elvis songs. Yeah. I mean, this is like you mentioned it, Zeus, a little bit about this album. I mean, critics did not really dig this album. Um, I think because they were shocked by it. You know, we've already talked about how, a huge, huge change it was from the first fo- from the first four. Um, we love to hear about Rolling Stone. Gordon Fletcher from Rolling Stone said that the album was one of the dullest and most confusing albums I've heard this year, and that the band had digressed from the epitome of everything good about rock. Thanks. So, yeah, I mean that's that that's the, you hear a lot of people saying this, you know, and, and the great Martin Popoff in his fantastic book talks about how. You know, he says there's no point in talking disparagingly of a record that is 11 times platinum in the United States. So it's funny how critically to this day, the album still gets panned by a lot of people. Zeppelin fans itself, it is still sold 11 times platinum and is still regarded as just iconic and legendary and classic to the definition of the word. Can we do a wellness check on Jay on that feedback? I I think (laughs) your blood pressure just spiked. Well, it's Rolling Stone. Fuck Rolling Stone. <laughs> Fuck Rolling Stone. I mean, honest to God, why do we keep taking this publication serious? I mean, we don't. We don't. We, lo- we we like commenting on them so that we can attack I know. them. I know, but like whether it's this or whether it's the top 200 guitar players that they just released, oh. which was absolute fucking bullshit. Yep. This, the only thing Rolling Stone is good for is using it to wipe your ass after you take a dump. I mean, that's the extent of what Rolling Stone magazine should be used for. And if, I don't know if it's still being able to print, but it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. What people don't get about this album, and this is why it's so important in Led Zeppelin's history and why it should be regarded as one of their great albums, is because, like I said in the beginning, it defined their evolution. 
right? That's right. They wanted to be more than a blues band. They wanted to move forward with and do other things that they would not have been able to do without Houses of the Holy, okay? And a mm-hmm. lot of stuff was leading up to this, especially with Led Zeppelin Three. All of a sudden, they release this, like, folksy type of album that's completely different than Led Zeppelin and, uh, uh, One and Two. And then Led Zeppelin Four has got moments like Misty Mountain Hop, which is a little different, and Four Sticks that are a little different. Mm-hmm. So this was coming, Battle of Evermore. So this was, like, the the result of all that, and... We always hear like, oh, this album sounds the same from this band. And then when a band does it, the critics panic because they just do, because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But this album arguably may not be the best Zeppelin album. It's a great album, but it might be the most important mm-hmm. in their in, 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 that signifies their growth as artists and as musicians. So fuck Rolling Stone. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. I hear you. All right. You guys ready to get into the tracks? Let's do it. First track. Here we go. Song remains the same. Just what I was talking about. 
this is the beginning of the change. So, and I like the way that there's a little bit of chung, uh, tongue in cheek with the song title because when you finish Led Zeppelin Four, it's with a hardcore Delta blues based song with "When the Levee Breaks," right? And that's what they leave you with with Led Zeppelin Four, and they change the game with "House of the Holy" and they title it "The Song Remains the Same," meaning we're the same band. We're just we're we're, we're evolving, right? And, you know, this was originally taken from, I think, a Jimmy Page instrumental. Um, originally, it didn't have lyrics to it. And I think Plant put the lyrics to it. I think it was called Overture or The Overture. Mm-hmm. But it was, um, it's a fantastic song. And later on, this song was primarily used as the opener, especially on the Presence Tour, um, which they did. But this was in the middle of the set with a lot of the tours that they did for this tour and Physical Graffiti. But it's a great song. It's The arrangement is is great and it's not blues based it's very progressive at that time um just an awesome awesome tune jay it's really creepy the notes that i had for this song because you just referenced a lot Uh, i i referenced this as a great driving tune that you just roll down the windows crank it you're on the highway just an unbelievable opening i know i've said this about every album they just kill it with the opening track and you could argue this is the best one just because how they build it up and what it actually reminds me a bit of is um sweet child of mine how they build it up and as the song progresses before the lyrics everybody starts jumping in and there's just they're just jamming and it it just for some reason it reminded me of that i love the first 90 seconds and i wasn't terribly crazy about plant's lyrics and his sound i don't know did did he have his surgery around this time because he did sound a little raspy and as the album progressed it almost sounded like his you know he was using an altered sound but on this song, I had it would be better without any lyrics. Just it's just a great jamming tune. Um, still a great opening track. Um, you know, I, I really forgot how much I really, really like this song. But you know, listening to it maybe fifteen, twenty times over the last month, yeah, the more I heard it, it was just the the, the sound of Plant was took a little bit off of it for me. Yeah, according to some of the background information, it's funny you bring that up because the information shows that uh, Plant's vocal track was sped up slightly for the release of the album on this. So maybe that's maybe that's what you heard. I don't know. Um, But for me, yeah, it's uh, it's funny that the working title was the overture. You know, you think of to me, this is like a galloping, like like Murph said, driving race car build up, fired up song Um, to me as a Rush fan. Very, very reminiscent of early 70s Rush, Um, whether it's an instrumental like La Via Strangiato or something from 2112 or Xanadu or something real, real energetic. The entire band is firing on all cylinders. And I guess my only complaint, you know, and it's funny when you're complaining about Zeppelin, it's complaining about the, the, the greatest thing in the world and finding something to nitpick. When the song slows down and Plant comes in with the vocals, 
I, I feel like I was like, ah, I'm like, I was really, really feeling this song. And then it comes to a screeching halt, but I like it because then it picks back up and the song starts ripping again. Um, it builds, it grows. And I just, I think it, it's a killer, killer opening track. The song remains the same written by Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. So they had a couple titles for this. It was originally going to be called Plumpton and Worcester Races, which are named after Jimmy and Robert's houses. Then the overture as an instrumental and then the campaign. And Jimmy thought he was going to just have it as an instrumental as an opening to the rain song. And then Robert said, this is pretty good. Better get some lyrics. Yep. And then uh, Robert uh, added the lyrics, which Tom, you mentioned correctly that they were sped up. Uh, the band, like we talked originally in the beginning, this is one of the songs that they played on the 72 tour. And um, prior to the album coming out and Robert introduced this as Zep, he called it five months before the album came out. And one of the things that, he has said in interviews and different ways of describing the lyrics and the meaning of the title is that he mentions different places, Honolulu, Mm -hmm. Calcutta and all this stuff, wherever he goes, like he gets to play this music and all these people from strange worlds and strange places may not understand English, but they know the song. So the song remains the same, but he's going to different people and they're all enjoying it. So Mm -hmm. that's the other meaning that it can be attributed to this, according to Robert. You know, it's got a little bit, uh, I I don't know, the the lyrics are kind of hokey, I think a little, sing out, hari hari. I don't need no (laughs) fucking George Harrison fucking hari hari shit going on in ooh, dance the hoochie coo. Um, I noticed the drums big around the 420 mark and JPJ's got this funky ass little bass line going. When he sings this song, remains the same it's just a weird vocal presentation yeah the same. oh he can be whiny he can be whiny sounds like fucking yogurt from fucking space ball when he's like melting or whatever he's doing (laughs) i don't know i'm going to say it i'm going to say it now i did not like this song going into this album and i know and i know it there's nothing there's nothing we can ever play on the Zeppelin Chronicles that I don't know. But you know, if you repeat something, you listen to it closer. The song grew on me. But to me, this is by far their worst opener. By far. And it's not a bad song, which goes to show you what they're blistering with. With Immigrant Song, Black Dog, and fucking but, Good Times. Z- oh, I agree. Was it, more, was it more musically, lyrically, or just The overall? beginning is okay. And yeah. here's why. It's what Tom said earlier. It's, it's Rush. It's prog rock. That's this right. This is the shit that they're starting to go. Now, God bless them. Give them credit because they're not like, as I read earlier, Jimmy said, I, we got to keep moving. You may not like it, but we're going to uh, do something different. Sometimes it takes you a while to pick up on what we're doing. It's very different. The guitar but- is fun. Um, JPJ is going nuts. It's what how I describe Rush music. You can yeah. tell they're all talented. It's groovy and stuff. But it doesn't have that killer melody or the like thing that gets me. And and you're right. When Robert comes in, it's not helping the song. No. That he, it's like almost like a complete song. Like remember how you said, like oh shit, better get some lyrics. This is pretty good. 
But when he puts his lyrics, it changes everything because the song becomes different. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Of the five albums, this is the weakest opener of the five. And it's and not a, a bad song. And, 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 a, and a weak, a weak open. Jay's rolling his eyes. Jay, do you want us to go over the first four openers? You're gonna tell yeah. me that this is you're gonna tell me that this is better than good times, bad times, that this is better than whole lot of love, that this is better than immigrant song, or that and this is better than it's um, not. It's not even close. It's not. And now it doesn't mean it's bad. We're saying it's exactly. the weakest. It's, it's like, the same thing we talk about as Kiss. Kiss. It's still Kiss. It's right. still Zeppelin. This right. is fucking better than 99 other albums we'll review on the album review crew <laughs> as their opener. It exactly. will be. But comparing exactly. it to the other song, this uh, it, it didn't connect with me. It's yeah. not a Zeppelin song that I go to. It, But let's find out if we go to the next one. Unless, I, Jay, you have a comment you want to make. I, I think I understand your perspective on this, all three of you. I do. However, what changes this song for me when I listen to it, whether whether it's fair or unfair, is hearing this song live. Because when you hear this song live and you hear bottom drum, Bonham's drums and mm-hmm. plant vocals is a lot different live than it is on the album. It is in- incredibly kick ass. Yeah, I believe it. So when you you know, for me, I that's my perspective. When I think of this song. So is it better than Good Times, Bad Times, Whole Lot of Love, Immigrant Song, Black Dog? It's definitely better than Black Dog, in my opinion. <gasps> it's it's, it's not... definitely better than Good Times, Bad Times. Wow. Okay. Well, I love Jay's, Jay's coming off the top rope with terrible take after terrible take. <laughs> listen, I just, again, it's because of the bootlegs I listen to and how exactly. I Exactly. Exactly. You know what? Jay, I love Zeppelin. I never got into bootlegs or their live performances. Never. I don't even, I don't even know how many times I've actually seen song remains the same as the movie. Right. I I'm not familiar with it, and you might be absolutely right. Go at, like, hey, we talk Kiss all day long. Everybody says a different thing about a song when they see it live. That's and right. And then with the studio album, it means something different if there's a touch to it. So song remains the same might be that way for you. Okay. Yeah. So let's move to the next track. Song number two. The sunlight in my growing So little warmth I felt before It isn't hard to feel me glow I watched the fire That grew so low
the rain song this is a gorgeous song it really is it's stunning it's beautiful it is it takes your breath away when you hear it it really does and for a band that is really trying to move it forward and to have stairway to heaven on the previous album of Led's up and four and then come in with this you really start to understand their genius and you really understand that this is not just a rock band, right? These are immortals walking amongst people at this time. This is taken from an inspiration of from George Harrison, where he said, Led Zeppelin doesn't do any ballads. And the opening chords are from the song Something from the Abbey Road album, which is really interesting. The string arrangements add so much texture and depth to this song. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that I use, that I've used for since I fell in love with Zeppelin, is upon us all, little rain must fall, right? And that's, to me, one of the most beautiful lyrics that Plant has ever written. Because it's true. All of us deal with challenges and tragedy and pain, and we're no different than anybody else. And he sums it up in a very quick sentence, a very quick lyric in in the song. Um, it's I go back and forth, to be honest with you, between this and Stairway to Heaven, of which one's better. Because it kind of it depends on my mood, but whether I'm in the stairway to heaven at one moment or rain song at the other moment, the bottom line is this is probably one of the most or could be the most beautiful song Led Zeppelin has ever recorded. Jay, you're laying it on a little fucking thick, but you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> Unbelievable song, uh, actually. I have noted down here. Why was this the second song right after Song Remains the Same? This should have been the last song on side one, side A, similar to uh, to Stairway to Heaven. Absolutely beautiful song. Um, I don't recall the, you know, on any of the previous albums if they used the strings, the violins at all, but they resonate on this particular song. The lyrics, while, you know, thank you, you know, there, there are other examples to date where, um, Plant has some great lyrics. You know, this, this might be his best one. I mean, if looking at it over the last week or two, he really put pen to paper really well on here. And for anyone that's a fan of music from this era, the movie Almost Famous, they worked this song magically into the, into the movie. So um, this this one is is definitely an all timer for me. Yeah, I think we'll go three for three here. Um, absolutely, just uh, it is such an emo- an emotionally. I mean, look, we love music. We love Zeppelin. That's why the four of us are here talking about it. the The arrangement of this song, the strings. I mean, this is this to me, the, the thing about this album, this is where John Paul Jones really gets to flex on this album. It's on this song, and it's another song that we're going to talk about later on in the album. The arrangement of this, the, the what the what the guitar is doing, it's so melancholy. It makes you feel like you're just sitting in front of a window watching it rain. But to me, the thing that really just adds the power and the energy and the emotion is at that five-minute mark when the whole band comes crashing in with Bonham's drums and everything just soars. It's, it's almost like the sun came out at the five minute mark of the song. 
um it's it's a brilliant song it's it's unfortunately underrated outside of the people like us and and that's that's a, that's the tragedy of the song it's it's a beautiful beautiful song and i love it and nothing gets me more than a long led zeppelin song and this is almost 8 minutes long and i love it the rain song written by jimmy page robert plant originally titled slush <laughs> Robert thinks this is one of his best vocals, and he might be right. Uh, Jay mentioned Harrison talking about to Bonzo that you guys don't do ballads. So Jimmy said, fuck you, basically. And here's something in the middle of the first two uh, chords. Jimmy found an unheard demo of it, supposedly, after they released the box set of uh, the deluxe version. So in March 28, 2023, he found this. So it's like, what the fuck? So now it's still unreleased, but he just found the version of it. Yep. The original vinyl said that the song was six minutes and 32 seconds when it's seven minutes and 39 seconds. Live, they usually do this similar to uh, Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World. They would go from the song remains the same to this. And it also helped that Jimmy would use the same guitar. So I think he's using a 12 string then and he wouldn't have to change it. So they would continuously go from just like the album to the rain song from song remains the same. The lyrics draw a metaphor of the seasons with changing emotions of love. The questions of doubts of love are washed away by the rain. Uh, Eddie Kramer, who fucking like just anytime you read what he says about Zeppelin, it's always like, it just warms my heart because he's so like, just fucking like amazed by the talent that's in this band. Uh, he loves JPJ here and says, um, you know, the bass line is great and it's his piano, which sounds like little raindrops or maybe teardrops, but it's actually that Mellotron that uh impressed Kramer, his use of it. And just what a beautiful melody guitar. The guitar after the last line, the first voice verse is so beautiful. That mm-hmm. rains on ding, 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 ding. And that is the one that I was mentioning to you uh, earlier, Tom. And I'm like, is that a precursor to 10 years gone? Could be. Yep, could be. Then there's that long interlude between the lyrics. And I wrote it down from that 114 mark. And then you go not again to like the 350 mark. But then like the instruments at the five minute mark, it's just an explosion um, that I, I can't describe. Robert kicks ass when he's like, hey, I felt the coldness, coldness of my winter, but I know that I love you. So I may not be the best song. But it's a top five moment of Zeppelin's history of music. Yep. That little bridge section that he does where Robert just fucking pours out his heart. His vocals are phenomenal. And the melody is gorgeous. And it just soars in the lyrics. It's just perfection for mm-hmm. that little part of the song. And then it's just that rain. Yep. Um. Just Can you be... Like anywhere and just not hear this song when you're looking out the window and it's raindrops falling down. It's just perfect. You know, it's- real, real, real quick. It's songs like this. Like I get it. If people don't like kiss, I get it. If you don't like metallic, I get, <laughs> how do you not like Zeppelin? I don't, it's to me, it's some kind of mental defect to not like Led Zeppelin. I don't get it. 
I don't get it. Especially well, that last that part that I'm talking about. Robert explodes and he says like things like upon us, upon us all. A little rain must fall. Yeah, like Jay said, perfect. How do you not like Cynthia? How does that not move you? Yeah, I know. What you have, you have no skill. You have no talent. You have no (laughs) art. No fucking love. Like you're just useless. What's the saying? I don't trust people who don't like Led Zeppelin. It's 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 a hundred percent true, Jay. Which goes for about half of our friends that do podcasts (laughs) (laughs) and dogs. Yeah, yeah, we should do an episode about the people that do podcasts that don't like Led Zeppelin. Like, call it like the Scarlet Letter. (laughs) Fucking idiots. (laughs) All right, let's go to the next track. and far away another great song uh, another journey right we talk a lot about zeppelin songs and how they take you through a path they take you through a journey this is so evident with this song um this was a standard live song for i even think before this album was released plant has a lot of fun with this live because he talks about acapulco gold and for those you for those youngsters out there that are listening that's another term for marijuana back then but uh, Paige's guitar playing and the arrangements again on this song are just absolutely incredible. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs by Zeppelin. I love the thank you-esque type of ending where it fades out and then comes back in. I, I think more bands and more artists should do that. Not all the time, but it's always a kind of a nice uh, change when you hear someone do that. And Zeppelin has it down to perfection but uh again just a great song um yeah another another english lore 
folklore type of song, Over the Hills and Far Away. Jay, stop fucking taking my notes, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. First, uh, first mixtape I made at college. This was the first song on side A. Grabbed it off the uh, the box set. Unbelievable song. Uh, knowing now more of what was shared on the when we just did the uh, review of the rain song, I I thought this should have been the second song on the album. Uh, you know, it just going from one uh, one killer track to another. I know I said that I wasn't a big fan of uh, Plant his uh, his vocals on this album, but I think this is the one where he he kills it, and it's it's the the best one that uh, he's got on this album. The, the the acoustic when you listen to it with headphones, I don't know if they just had the you know whoever the producer was, you hear the acoustic all the way through the song. It's just it's in that right ear all the way through, and and that's always stayed with me over the last thirty years. Whether it's a Walkman or whatever, it was just the recording of this is just really different, and and I love the balance because it starts off with that acoustic folk goes into the heart but they still are pushing that acoustic sound into you and uh you know i just the, the beginning it, it's just it's awesome i i just can't talk enough about this song i i love it uh no murph you're right the song starts off with page playing a six string and then he doubles up with a 12 string so you can really hear like the the, the notes of of the of that acoustic and we, we talk about this on arc sometimes like Zeppelin is such a headphone band when you're mm. listening to them. The, the everything. Oh, the, I mean, it's such brilliance. There's so many moving parts and so many songs. Tommy, um, sorry, just yeah, to interrupt yeah, because it, this ahead. is something I had. I forgot to mention. Yeah. Zeus, uh, this is one of the songs where our friend Jimmy would always say, you know, just make fun of the Zeppelin. He goes, Hey, can you play that song over the hills and far away? Another example <laughs> of the song title nowhere referenced in the, in the actual tracks. Zeppelin loves having songs with song titles that they don't say. This is one of them, yes. Um, but I, I, again, I'll reference our buddy Martin Popoff. He says that Over the Hills and Far Away is a ramble on reprise, which is kind of interesting because it's very, very similar. A lot of acoustic, a lot of, lot of electric, a lot of heavy pounding drums, but a lot of like soft, you know, kind of in and, in and out. I might like Over the Hills and Far Away better. I, I think I might like it better. It's the, 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 the beginning, the, the acoustic sound of the beginning of this song. And then I love how Zeppelin does this so consistently and so beautifully when the band just rips in and changes their tune. Okay. We've gone from this folk song. Now we're here to remind you that we're Zeppelin and now we're going to blow your brains out here. Here comes Bonham and it's going to turn into a great song, but we're not going to lose the acoustics. Like Murph said, that's still going to be in the background and plant is just on point. Jay, you mentioned that weird fading kind of thing at the end. Spectacular song. And I'll tell you right now, I love it. Three songs, three completely different sounds and styles, which is what makes Zeppelin's just fucking amazing. Yeah, Over the Hills and Far Away, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. It was the first single. It went to number 51 on the Billboard's 100. An acoustic hippie lifestyle, acoustic electric, very zeppish. I put on this ramble on. I put question mark. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it started in 1970 at Bronyard as many, many times. Jimmy plays the acoustic, then the 12 string. Jones got that clavinet, which comes back in the in the fade at the end and comes back. 
the song title is from a Tolkien poem. Nerd. Settle down, nerd. Apparently, like since I've been loving you, at the three-minute mark and the 306 mark, Bonzo's squeaky bass drum pedal comes in again. Love it. L- little fucking tidbits like that show yep. up. The song is about a complex man and woman relationship and experience. I like how Bonzo and Jones come in at the 127 mark. To me, it's like the quintessential Zepp song. Someone's like, hey, what's Led Zeppelin like? I think this is one of the songs you would pick and go, here you go. You want to know what Led Zeppelin's like? This. How many bands can do this? And not do this now because everyone has heard this, but do this in 1973. Um, It's just, I don't know. I love how Robert is kind of subdued. Then he goes full Robert afterwards uh, when it pick up, picks up. It's almost a little bit because I'm, I love the acoustic on Bronny R stomp. Mm-hmm. It's like that heavy acoustic guitar. And it's almost like when you listen to the electrical version of Bonnie Stomp, which is the Jennings Farm Blues, very similar to that when Over the Hills Far Away becomes electric. The solo is great by Jimmy. The end fade with JPJ is actually an earworm that I like hearing, and I'm used to it now. Uh, Rolling Stone, the shit magazine, has it number 16 of the best 40 Zeppelin songs. Spin in 2014 said best Zeppelin song of all time. Whoa. Uh, demonstrates just about everything that the band does well. Mm. Vulture in 2015 ranked this the sixth be- best Zeppelin song. Wow. Interesting. So I think the song uh, gets a pretty good review. Let's see if the next one gets his high marks. The Crunch, which sees Zeppelin allowing their drummer to have a part in the creative process. This song was largely written by 
John Bonham, and it really mixes beats on and off the beat, um, which kind of gives it a little bit of a funk background. And Robert Plant uses a lot of improvising with the vocals and with the lyrics on the song, and it's different. As Tom mentioned, three songs that are completely different to start the album. Well, now we're four for four, because who saw a funk song from Led Zeppelin in the middle of this album with, you know, that was preceded by Over the Hills and Far Away, the Rain Song and Song Remains the Same. It's not something that uh, I go to a lot in terms of the song. I do appreciate it. It was used a lot live as the, uh, uh, during a medley. Zeppelin used to do a lot of medleys live, especially during Whole Lot of Love and Dazed and Confused. So there's a lot of bootlegs out that I've talked about that, especially with this tour, that during Days and Confused, during their 30, 40 minute versions of Days and Confused, they would include bits of this song in there as they're going in and out of different blues, blues numbers. So again, it kind of adds to the interesting element of the song. Um, a good song, uh, probably so far, if, if I were to say, you know, the four, probably my, my, my least favorite of the first four, but it's still a good song. Yeah. This song just, you know, I think it's, it's not part of the album. I actually listening to this made me think of Steely Dan made me think of something that could be played back in the day by, uh, Nile Rogers, you know, Le Freak. It just, it had this funk to it. The sound was great. I mean, it just sounded like they were jamming in the studio. Someone was recording and they were just riffing. Um, to me, it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the album. But it would be one hell of a bootleg. Uh, but on the the rest of the album, yeah, it just uh, it's never never connected with me. But I got to tell you, Zeus, when uh, you know Plant goes, "Have you seen the bridge?" I'm like, oh my god, I'm hearing Zeus in the background. Have you seen Richie? <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah, the crunge. Uh, look, it's not a song you're going to go to. Um, it's when people talk about House of the Holy, sometimes they bring up, oh, isn't that the album with the crunge? And be like, yeah, it is. But you know what? I don't mind it. I think it's catchy. I think it's, I think it's funky. I think it's different. It's funny. I mean, Jimmy Page even acknowledged that it was self indulgent. Robert acknowledged the song was flippant, which exactly what it is. But that, that, that whacked out beat that you can't even, you can't even tap your toes to it because it's so friggin' out of whack. Um, the guitar is like a funky little guitar riff. What the hell is Plant doing lyrically and vocally? He's just saying eh. it's like the James Brown, you know, kind of a send up. The whole song is a goof. But that being said, it's catchy. It's weird. I mean, yeah, is it is it over the hills and far away? Is is it rain song? No, but it's why I love Zeppelin, and I, I, I'm a weirdo when it comes to this stuff. It's why I love Rush. They do stuff that's like weird and be like, what are they doing? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sound right, but it's creative. And I just love hearing. I love hearing and seeing Zeppelin make something out of, out of whatever. And and this is a song right there that just, it's just a unique piece of creativity from them. The crunch written by Jimmy page, Robert plant, John Paul Jones and Bonzo. It's basically all four of them getting credit established by a Bonzo jam James Brown style funk. J, uh, JPJ comes in with the funky bass. Jimmy adds a little bit of the whammy bar after each phrase. Robert pays tribute to James Brown's sex machine uh, about Yay! the bridge. <laughs> and then Robert says, Where's that? Co-? 
I don't know. I've read different books that say it could have been one of any of the four members. That does not sound like Robert. And whoever's voice it is, that is doing the voice of uh, Eddie Murphy doing a white guy. I agree. Uh, Where's that confounding bridge? (laughs) 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 Let me get this straight. You've got a burning sensation when you can't find the bridge. Or or it sounds like Chappelle when he does a white guy. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute. What is that? (laughs) Yeah. Hold on a second there. Where's that confounded bridge? Um, The title refers to a cooked up dance. This is the fucked up thing. They were going to have a fucking dance for this song. But like. It was so fucking the rhythm of it was so messed up. And Jimmy thought it'd be funny to come up with a dance and the dance was going to be called the crunch. And they were going to put like, like instructions on how to do it, on in, how to do it. And they're like, no, let's just fuck it. Fuck it. Let's not do this stupid shit. Thank God. Um, I'm like, is they're going to do like a fucking like line dance, achy, breaky heart shit to a fucking Zeppelin song. That's all we needed. That's going to be a live stream for Zeppelin Chronicles. The four of yeah. us are going to do the the crunch for everybody. The funny thing is there'll be another song on this album that these two songs take a beating yep. for being like self-indulgent. Like, oh, this is an embarrassment. What the fuck is this shit? Yep. It's another one that'll come up. If this went along with it and it pissed off a lot of fans and Jimmy called it perhaps self-indulgent. It was played sometimes in the middle of a medley in between other songs uh, there's a tip of the hat to Otis Redding. Ain't gonna call me Mr. Pitiful, a song by Otis Redding, and I don't need no respect, which is respect was written by Otis Redding, mm-hmm. not Aretha Franklin. God, oh Aretha! Oh, never mind. I'm not. I'm not going down Relax. that. Snow. We're not getting into that. Yeah. In the beginning, and these are these like little fucking mistakes, or they leave them in, and other shit like that. The beginning, Jimmy asks, and that's to the George Chicant. I can't even say his name. The engineer. One more straightaway, George, to the engineer. You can hear it. He's like, you like it, right? Uh, Robert uses that black country dialect that him and Bonzo know as the way he sings this song. And in the lyrics, he's using this fucking weird English dialect. JPJ says this is one of his favorites. And he's talking about... This is the thing that I understand. He's talking about his good fling. And then he describes it as he is something. I'm like, what? Yeah. You notice that? In yeah. the beginning of the lyrics? Yeah. He describes a male when he's talking about like, oh, I've got this good fling over here. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? After the verse verse, there's the who's and Oz, which is like kind of weird. It's like a little bit of a synth sound fill. Um uh, Phil and you know what I'm talking about? That oh, the, those like, the, those the, those on those on ooze and ahs. That's a synthesizer. Yeah, that's but that, it sounds like an ooze and ahs. That's the that's the part of the song that inadvertently makes me laugh because all of a sudden you're hearing it. And it's like it's like Squidward coming. It's like Squidward coming in with a slide whistle. It's like, yeah. And it doesn't even fit the rhythm of the song. It sounds like Quincy Jones' Sanford and Son theme. Yes. <laughs> like all, like you, you listen to the song and you have this weird rhythm, and then John Paul Jones is like, I'm gonna make this weirder. <laughs> 
Hey, Lamont. <laughs> it actually, it, I like that because it's so fucking it's like so, weird. No, it's it, like it's like they like t- like that like a ten year old kid came in with his like his Casio his, keyboard. He's like, hey, look at this. Bobby Brady came in with his gazoo. And he's exactly. fucking like, let me play this on this album. <laughs> and he's just trying to find the bridge, which is. The thing that it's like an homage to James Brown, who always yeah. like take me, take me to the bridge. Ah, yep, get hot yep. in the hot tub. And he decided to uh, where's the bridge? Because there is no. The joke is there is no bridge. There is no the bridge song. in the song. Exactly. Yep. I wonder if the uh, fling though. Before I get on to the next song, but I wonder if fling means something different in the UK, just like Matt naming something different in in uh, in the UK than it does in the US. Could be because Matt Nay. Me in the in the United States means like a a daytime show, where in the UK it means. Let me tell you, having sex in the afternoon. I want to tell you about my good fling. I ain't disclosing no names, but he sure is a good friend, and I ain't gonna tell you where he comes from. If I tell you, you won't come again. Oh hey, you well, explain that to me. Eh, but we- but then he goes down and he says, "Now let me tell you about my girl." Right. I'm just saying, what the hey. fuck is that? Maybe he's singing it from a, a girl's perspective. I don't know. You big dummy. All right, Jay, before you get five across the lip, let's flip the album over and go to side two. Days, a big hit on rock radio when I was growing up. I mean, you heard the song a lot. And unfortunately, like the album cover, it hasn't aged well because of the subject matter of the song. Um, it's kind of in the realm of Christine 16. It's the lyrics are pretty much about high school girls and Robert being attracted to them, basically. So uh, it's a good song. It's got a killer riff. They used to do this song a lot live. It was a crowd pleaser back in the day. I love the tune. I mean, kind of like I still love Christine 16, but like the album cover really hasn't aged well. All right, all right, all right. They stay the same age. Smurf. 
This, uh, yeah, Jay, it, it, this is classic rock staple. It's probably one of the earliest songs outside of uh, Stairway to Heaven that I remember hearing. I thought Plant sounded really, really good on this particular song as well. Uh, reminded me a little more of uh, kind of the Zeppelin 2-3 range. Didn't seem like it was altered too much. Um, it was interesting, though, that, you know, this album came out in 73 and then he referred to the the lyrics with the got my flower got my power we'll call back to uh an earlier time but one of the things too is just remember the first time hearing it going did he just say tadpole in a jar i mean it just a couple of things in here just hit you early on but i i've always liked the song i think classic rock staple and jay i know this is gonna really make you throw up Right say now, it, Murph. I know you. Happy. I know you. I, I know you want to say it. Stone Temple Pilots does a better version of this. Oh no, 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 no! That's a bad take. I was. They were gonna. They do a great version of this. They don't do a better version. They do a great version. It's not better. Dude, better. did you just say Stone Temple Pilots does a better version than? Oh boy, Scott uh, Weiland does a better version than Robert Plant. Murph, oh, Murph, that, but that's Murph. all. That you know what though? That's about as bad a take as Jay saying "Song Remains the Same" is better than Black Dog. So I guess we're all on point here. Murph, Murph, is your wife home? Oh God, <laughs> your wife home? No. no. Well, tell her when she gets home. Send her a text that she needs to take your temperature. See if you've got a fever. She thought this was Led Zeppelin Five. I'm not asking her anything. Oh, She's not, right. you're obviously not feeling well. All right, by making that statement. The Stone Temple Pilots version is fantastic. I will say it's not better. But anyways, I absolutely love this song. I think it's I to me, it's the it, it's track five. It's the first song on the album. Well, I mean, I know we had Over the Hills and Far Away, but to me, this is the first song where the entire band is really embracing being Zeppelin. You know, there's not a lot of like acoustic stuff. There's not a lot of organ or synth or Mellotron. It's just balls to the wall, groove. It's awesome. My favorite part of the song is after the first kind of verse sentence, Bonham comes in with an absolutely killer drum fill, and then you get that riff that carries over the next, the remainder of the song. It's it's fantastic. And one thing that I never really thought of, this is why I love these episodes, reading books and researching these, reading Martin Popov's great book, he said that this song here, is Jimmy Page's foreshadowing of grunge music. And when I when I read that sentence and listened to this song, I was like, son of a bitch. He's kind of right. The way the tone of the guitar, the riff, the way it's being played, I could and and and, and Murph, you said it, Stone Temple Pilots covered it. So he, I thought that he was he had the vision. Someone's gonna take this song and do a better version of it. Oh <laughs> I love it, Murph. Keep laying it on thick. Go ahead, Zeus. <laughs> Dancing Days, written by Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. Um, the promotional copy was sent out by Atlantic in March of 73 as a preview for the album. Uh, it's got a little bit of that Indian influence and because Jimmy and Robert heard something when they were in Bombay. It played as early as 72. It's their first Eastern influence song. You, Tom, you mentioned Martin Popoff's foreshadowing statement. I had that as well. Um, but it's not a fucking perv song. It's an idealistic look back to the 60s, talking about teenage love. He wasn't saying, I want to fucking bang underage girls. Well, I don't you know, where, put, you, I don't know where you got that from. Well, that's because Jay's mind is... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Relax, 
relax. <laughs> you edit it out. <laughs> uh, Eddie Kramer says the band loved how he came out. And when they actually played it back to him at the end, they actually were all outside dancing because they Love enjoyed it. what they fucking sounded like. Jimmy says, you're not in a comfort zone when you're listening to the opening riff of Dancing Days, but I think it feels natural in a dark way. Jimmy was looking for fresh new sounds and he found it. Robert has a delayed laid back vocal over the song. It's almost like he's behind. And then I would say the same thing with Scott Weiland does. You'll be my only my one. The, the music is going faster, but he's almost skipping and going behind the actual music. And it's it's it fucking works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh until he has this laid back vocals until about 236, and then he goes to Robert on like that we all know and love. I love Stone Temple Pilots version of this. Um, however. And I'll get to this. I'll leave it at the end. Uh, I love it. And Tom, when you talked about it, it was like that first part with Bonzo comes in, those fills. And then it's that slide that, guitar that Jimmy amazing. does. That yep. fucking slide. Again, when you, I think of like, it doesn't have to be the song as a top song. I think of moments within songs of Zeppelin. You yep. can take them apart and be like, that is a favorite Zeppelin thing. That slide guitar and that drum fill coming in, fucking monumental for me and my love of Led Zeppelin. Um, and it's usually, I think it comes around at the, by the way you're wearing your clothes and it, as the summer evening grows and then, Oh my God. It's just so fucking the fills in that hypnotic slide guitar. is just crazy. Then there's an awesome solo and then it fades. However, I did not realize this and my mind was blown after reading. I like Martin's book, but I'm telling you, Led Zeppelin, all the songs, the story behind every track by Jean-Michael Goodson and Felipe Margaton. Insane book. That's the book that in the background Martin saw I had that. He goes, oh, my God, the Frenchman. Nobody could touch them when they do these books. The Frenchman. That book has so much details. Did you realize when I start saying this song, you're going to go, holy shit. You're right. It does fucking take it from Zeppelin. This is sampled. And I'm going to read you the, the chorus and you'll know exactly the song. Get up off my back. Save a heart attack. Ain't nobody humping around. That oh Bobby Brown God. song is fucking this and ripped this off. And I'm, I'm like, so glad. I'm so glad I don't know that what you're talking about. You don't know humping around by Bobby Brown. I, I think I, I the last you time know. I heard. Yeah, I know it. I haven't heard it in like 40 years, so thank God. I played the video after they said that, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's samples. Fuck. That's why that song was so catchy. You it's- wore a fucking bum jacket, Tommy. You know the song. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't know the song. I didn't say I didn't know it. I didn't say I didn't know the song. I said I, I would never connect. I haven't heard it in like oh 40 my, years. Tom, your mind is going to be blown. You're like, holy shit, that's Dancing Days. And the what does he say? What did, what did our buddy uh, Jamie Foxx say about fucking uh, Bobby Brown? Oh, the he's most cra- <laughs> Go ahead. It's the most crackheadest thing that Whitney Brown, <laughs> Whitney Houston said was about Bobby Brown, that he's the king of R&B. I'm not saying she's a crackhead. I'm just saying she's. Crap-ish. King of R&B, Rocks and Blunts. 
Ribs and barbecue. Ribs and barbecue. <laughs> he hasn't had an alcohol since 83. <laughs> what the fuck are you, you ain't that high, Whitney. You ain't you that ain't high. That high. <laughs> uh, but anyways your mind will be blown humping around the bobby brown song Ugh. is led zeppelin's dancing days yuck well let's let's add some more blasphemy if you want to the next track here we go Next track is Jamaica, and it's a song. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Dire Maker? No, it's, it's pronounced Jamaica. Thank, thanks, Jay. That was a joke. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, dude? Yes, it took me years before I would. I called it in high school and college. Dire Maker. Everybody uh, did. Yeah, I did. I'll, I'll, yeah, no, it's 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 a song, and uh, yeah. Let's go. Uh, let's continue on to the next one. That's All what right. you want to say. All right. So, what is actually interesting, and I, I referenced it earlier um, tonight, is that my wife knows songs from this album, and I was playing the songs that we were going to be reviewing, and she goes, "Oh, I know this. We knew this from college. This was this was a crossover song. I, I think this yep. one got to a wider audience. I understand why." It you know is something that you absolutely could hear on the beach, you know, at a party. It, it definitely broke the mold of you know what was associated with with Zeppelin. It's not lyrically a great song. It's musically not a great song. A lot of I don't know if Plant was bored. It was just seems like he repeats a lot of the same words over and over again. Bonham sounds great. He he really was the one that stood out most in this particular song. Um, maybe because someone wanted to put some effort into it. I don't know if there was a lot of effort by the others. So, you know, it's a song that I think is known by a lot of people, but won't go down as one of the uh, the all-timers for them. Uh, Rilke, I want to get in. This song, like you just said, Murph, your wife knew it. This is a test of who your life partner is going to be because when you're playing Zeppelin in the car and you're playing cashmere and all these songs, 
the woman next to you is rolling her eyes, right? And then they hear Jamaica and they're like, oh, I like Led Zeppelin. I like this song. And then you grind your teeth to wherever you're going to dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Even John Paul Jones doesn't like this song. He said it's he has a distaste for it and suggesting that it started off as a joke. It was not really thought through carefully enough. My opinion, the people who like this song are the same people that like Fool in the Rain. They're Whoa. terrible, terrible, terrible incarnations of Zeppelin. They just, yeah, Jay, the fact that you're clutching your breast over Fool in the Rain is just. Horrific. I'm going to join you, Elizabeth. Fool in the Rain is a great fucking song. It is. Save it. 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 Hot dog. Of course, Murph likes Fool in the Rain. Crazy. You're going to tell me you like All My Love next to the two of you fucking oh, clowns. Oh, Ralph Salombro? Yeah, we'll get to we'll, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that mediocre album in a few oh, years. Let's let's oh let's finish House of Holy first. Oh but anyways, this song, yeah, everybody called it Dire Maker. Now it's Jamaica and all that stuff. It's it's just not. I will say this. Spending a lot of time with Houses of the Holy. I was listening to it. I was like, okay, this isn't as bad as I remember it. My my mind told me that it was terrible. It's not, it's not great. It's not great, but it's not terrible. It's not, we say this all the time when we're talking about kiss or, or what it's not what I want from Zeppelin. So that's my problem with it. It's just not a great song. Jamaica written by Jimmy page, Robert plant, John Paul Jones, John Bonham. It made it to number 20 in the U S Rolling Stone has a number 20 of the top 40 Zeppelin song. It started with Bonzo doing a 50s doo-wop beat, and then he added a reggae to it. Jimmy said of the criticism, I didn't expect a lot of people to get it. Uh, J.P. Jones uh, said the same thing, Tom. You started off as a studio joke. Robert loves this and wanted it as a single. But they kept the Peter Grants like, no, we still have our policy. We're not releasing this as a single in UK. We don't release anything in the UK as a single. They released in the US and it made it to number 20. So I guess he had the last laugh. Um, The title's from an old joke. And it's about fucking people with Cockney or English accents. Mm -hmm. My wife's gone to the West Indies. Jamaica? Jamaica? (laughs) But with an English accent, it sounds like, did you make her? No, she wanted to go. Okay. Uh, Americans like me called the Dire Maker. Axel Rose is a big fan of this song. I don't know where or why because I can't see it anything he does. Uh, releases the promotional single in the UK, which, if you have it, is extremely rare and valuable. So, good luck. Uh, but they kept to the no singles policy, as I mentioned. Uh, it does resemble, it does resemble Ricky Nelson's poor little fool. Uh, Bonzo had a hard time getting the reggae beat down just right But like with everything he does He eventually gets it when they record Um, Bonzo's drum fills open the song And then the reggae sound comes in And his drums are fucking loud And up front on this song Thank God, it's the only thing that saves it (laughs) And I was saying, like, did the police steal the second verse? When he says every breath you take and every move you make. Mm, it's true. Right? Yep. Uh, it's a really laid back Jimmy solo. And then I love another little thing that I love. And I'm going to start calling it something else other than earworms. Cause I fucking get annoyed with that term uh, at the three fifty seven mark in the four three mark and the four fifteen mark. I love the breathy. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 
Dun, 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 dun. No, five is shooting out my dick. Anyway, <laughs> let's move to the second to last song. And it, we're thankfully getting the seven minute version, album version, not the 30 or 35 minute live version of this song. No Quarter, composed by John Paul Jones. It was reworked for this album. It was originally composed in the sessions for Led Zeppelin Four, I believe. And he added a, um electric piano and an acoustic guitar on it. I have to say about this song, this song has slowly grown with me over time. Because when I was younger and I was getting into Zeppelin, this song really didn't connect with me. And I tried over and over again like get into this tune. I had older cousins that liked this song and I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it. And it wasn't until I heard a live version. I think it was page and plant 
did this. And I started to kind of hear it a little differently. And I wouldn't say it's my, you know, one of my favorite songs, but I have a lot more of an appreciation of it now as I've evolved with it, as even though as the song has stayed the same, but it's evolved differently with me over time. It's an ambitious song. It really is what's considered John Paul Jones's masterpiece. If you talk about Led Zeppelin's catalog, um, again, you know, it just shows where they were going and how they were moving forward. And, you know, as you kind of, as we finish off this album with this song and the next one, I think what Zeppelin's doing with this is we're listening to them figuring it out of where they're going. Because everything that came after this really kind of stems from this. And there, like I said in the beginning, there are pieces of it before, but this album really, I think, is is really the genesis of their evolution. This is an unbelievable song, but Jay, as you uh, you mentioned, I did not listen to this. I skipped over it a lot. As I've gotten older, I've appreciated more, and I wonder if this is the seven-minute grown-up version of Stay Away to Heaven, where you learn to appreciate all the different sounds. The The first minute and a half, I mean, you, you hear the beginning, you don't know really where it's going if you haven't heard it before. That's just a gritty, gritty guitar sound by Page. He, I, I love this particular song. This might be my favorite album where Page just jumps out, just the different sounds he has on it. Um, you know, I, I know that they have like a synth, sound in it you know it might be more of when we've seen them uh tommy and i've seen them live the piano piece in the middle uh, i I love how it kind of shifts you go from the guitar back to the piano unfortunately the one thing on it that just you know and i've mentioned it already is that plants just kind of wailing a bit whiny a bit on it you know i i could just listen to the instruments and the musical piece for seven minutes and take out the uh the the part of plant you know the other part where the snow falls hard it's just it kind of grates on me a bit and it just every time i hear it i i'm listening more and more to some of his enunciations and it it just i don't know for some reason as i I pick up on the wrong things about this song but overall it's great murph would you would you (laughs) was she a great big fat fuck the snow falls hard for a size 14 what? Don't you hurt my dog? That's what it sounds like. It does not stop it. Precious. Uh, this this song is just this song is otherworldly for me with Zeppelin. I mean, it is just. And I think you're right. I feel like this is the old guys Zeppelin song because in college, I don't remember unless it was like three o'clock in the morning. We weren't listening to No Quarter. We were listening to the Zeppelin songs with the riffs, with the verses, with the choruses, with the heavy drums, with the heavy bass lines. We weren't spending time with this, but I'll tell you right now, an incredible piece of music, an incredible piece of artwork by John Paul Jones. The combination of those, that the, that like underwater sounding organ with plants, vocals, just kind of all, all over the place. I will say this in, Again, I'm going to reference Martin Popov's book. Even he agrees Bonham's drums have never sounded better. The production on this particular song is off the charts incredible. 
Another reason I love the song, two of my favorite bands bring to mind certain parts of the song. Some of this reminds me of Rush, and there's an interlude in the middle of the song where you get a shockingly amazing jazzy guitar solo. Jazz guitar. It sounds like something that Steely Dan would have done in the middle of Asia, which is another seven, eight minute track from Steely Dan. The song is just it's 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 incredible. It's fucking incredible. It might not be what you expect from Zeppelin. You know, you expect, you know, good times, bad times or days to confuse or stay away to heaven. But my God, fucking magic. This song. No Quarter written by JPJ, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, composed by John Paul Jones. Attempted on Giuseppe 4, which you guys had mentioned, but abandoned. Uh, and it became the centerpiece for all Zeppelin concerts going mm-hmm. forward. Uh, it's the titles about the military practice of showing no mercy to vanquished opponents and the uh, bravery of the ones that are vanished to say, you don't have, I'm not going to be asking you for mercy. Uh, Viking and Norse mythology. Back to that shit. Winds of Thor are blowing cold. Would you? Chewbacca, the fucking killer from Silence of the Lambs. Everybody's everybody's getting in on this song. Um, The live version goes up to to 35 minutes at times. Uh, Rolling Stone said, this is nothing more than a drawn-out vehicle for the further display of Jones's unknowledgeable use of the melatonin. Can you imagine? Isn't that insane? He said that about this song and the rain song. Uh, This is where I'm like, this is Pink Floyd psychedelic fucking shit. Rush, Steely Dan crap. (laughs) You wait, you said that? Yes. I I have cried. Wow. To like this song. It's just another one of these great, they're talented. This is I can see this. Who fucking ever goes, oh man, hope they're gonna do a 35-minute version of this. Me and again. What is me. your favorite song? I don't know what my favorite song is, but I don't want to hear a 35-minute version of my favorite song either. Nothing should go on for this long. It's ridiculous. I love it. Oh my god. It's I look, I've hated this song over time. I've grown to it, respect it somewhat. It's okay. It's not bad, but I, I don't know what's worse, the good you know, or the like the longevity of it. I, I can respect what, what 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 JPJ is doing. I get it. It's great. It's it's moody, but it's why I, I, I fucking want to blow my brains on when people are like Pink Floyd and I see how many albums they've sold. I'm like, are there that many fucking potheads in the world? Like this music, I I I don't know. It's just too much dark side of the moon shit. And I actually mm-hmm. like the album. It's just prog rock, Pink Floyd, spooky shit. Um, and there's a lot of stuff going on. You could always find every time I've listened to this song, I've always found something new to pick up on. The talent is there. And then there's that slow jazzy solo that you said, Tom, Jimmy mm-hmm. does. And yep. then a synth kind of like a ramble on synth solo yep. that happens a little bit later. Uh, Robert is doesn't go into classic Robert mode until like the six minute mark, and it's a long outro. Um, again, it's still Zeppelin. You know, it's just one of those songs that, like, okay, can we get to the next one? This has been going on and on and on. I don't know. Thankfully, 
they go back to their roots on the next track. The last track of the album. And that is the ocean, like I, like Zeus just said. They go back to their roots, and it's probably the closest song to what we know of Zeppelin outside of maybe Over the Hills and Far Away. This song is a great closer. It's a great riff. It's a great beat. It's it's a fun song. Um, you can't help but love this song every time you hear it. And you know, I think they they put this song last purposely to kind of just remind Zeppelin fans of who they are. Uh, the breakdown in the middle of the song, the acapella, which is really interesting. That was very different than what they've done. And for all those Rival Sons fans out there that are listening, if you listen to their song, Open Your Eyes, the guitar riff is a blatant ripoff of that acapella in the middle of that song. So hum the acapella and then go listen to Open Your Eyes by Rival Sons. And you'll be like, holy shit, that is a ripoff. But nonetheless, it's a great tune. It's a great closer. Great live version. They did the song a lot live on a couple of tours. Um, but yeah, it's a perfect way to close the album. Great song known by others because it's been sampled over the years. So you got to start off right there. Just Bonham and Page, just, uh, you know, they jump out on this. Love the song. Always been a favorite. Uh, Jay, I know you, what we, your feelings are on cover bands, but. Tommy and I went to go see a Zeppelin tribute band a couple of months ago. And when they played this, every guy turned to the guy to his left or right. And because there were no women in the show, just going la, 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 la. It just, it, it's, it's an unbelievable song. It, it's been, it's on radio. People know it. And, you know, it's, is this album going to be up there with the others? Possibly not, but. I just always found it fitting that the last lyrics on this album are so good. And an underrated cover version of this song, 
I'm not going to say it's better because it's not and an underrated cover version. One of my favorite bands, Tesla, does a killer cover of the ocean. Fucking fantastic. Now, this song is almost perfect. Except for that horrendously unnecessary doo-wop outro at the end. It, 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 it crushes an otherwise amazing Zeppelin song. The riff, Bonham's drums, plant sounds amazing. I, the song just crushes. It's slow. It's heavy. It's like the, like monolithic monster of Zeppelin that we, that we do. And then for some reason, you have to just start, ooh, up, a do, up, a do, what? Don't do that. Don't do that. But the song is so good that it can get through that part. And I also love, I don't know if anybody's brought up yet. I love the intro where you hear Bonham counting down. I love it. it it's so cool what he's talking about. It's just, a, it's, it's just a great song. It's, it, I love how the album ends with this. The Ocean, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, John Paul Jones, John Bonham. And Bonzo says, we've done four already, but now we're steady. Then they went one, two, three, four. So obviously this was track number five. You know, The Ocean, the title comes from out as the sea of heads that Robert would see when he looked into the crowd. And he said he can hear the ocean roar, the crowds that he's talking about. Kind of like the really only metal almost type song on the album uh, that's not prog rock or something. Robert sings about the new girl that won his heart, which is his three-year-old daughter, Carmen, at the time. And as the years would go on, he sings this song. He would change the age of her in the song. Apparently, at the 137 mark, you can hear the phone ringing because they were recording at Mick Jagger's house. Uh, the ending acapella, I actually enjoy it's the 217 mark. And during the live concerts, Bonzo would be the one doing the acapella part alone. Beastie Boys sampled this on uh, She's Crafty from License to Ill. They also sampled Custard uh, custard Pie and uh, When the Levee Breaks on License to Ill, too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Critics think the song sounds unfinished. I don't know why. I like it. At the 116 mark, the oohs and the ahs come in, and I like that, and that's sung by all the members. And then at the end, the 318, the rock and roll, it kicks into old school rock and roll. And Robert, oh, so good. Beautiful. Great way to end the album, and that is the album. Before we rank the tracks, final thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I, like as I've said, my, my, my theme for this album is changing the course really and and really kind of showing the fans that they're moving forward that they're evolving and i always say from led zeppelin one all the way through in through the outdoor the band evolves constantly and maybe not for the first two albums but into led zeppelin three you hear an evolution zeppelin four you hear tidbits with a lot of songs but then they just go full full into it with house of the holy and then what comes after that. And I appreciate about the a band. I mean, we talk about Zeppelin being the immortals that walked amongst us in this great rock band, the best ever. But I think if they stayed the same, like their first four albums and at least four other albums like that, I don't know if we would have said that. I think part of the mystique and part of what makes Zeppelin so awesome is their evolution and not afraid of it either, embracing it. So I appreciate this album. Is it is it one of my favorites 
from from them it's it's probably not but i appreciate what they did and i love a lot of the music that's on it the bar was so high for them based on the first album that came out you know i think people were just going to hold them to a higher standard is this album my favorite no but if i was making a mixtape going back in the day songs from this album would be on it absolutely so still it's zeppelin it's a great album uh, I absolutely love this album. I think it's what Zeppelin is to me. It combines everything that they're great at. It combines the synth, the experimental, the long songs, the riff rockers, the acoustics. It's got everything on it. Is it my favorite? I don't know. Jay and Murph are quick to say, no, it's not. We'll find out. But this album is fucking just, oof. this album is just fucking good. Yeah, for me, this album just continues the trend of loving all Zeppelin albums. So if I want to compare this, I think of albums outside the Zeppelin realm. Where would I put this with all the other albums that we've ranked on album review crew, things like that? It'd be right up the top. But it's a Zeppelin album, so you got to compare it to other greatness. Is this a great album? Absolutely. Not even close. It's definitely a great album. Where do we rank it in the Zeppelin a catalog we'll find out next but first what we do is we rank the songs so let's start in the same order as we go jay song number eight your maker just doesn't do it for me and it never has and i don't think it ever will number eight for me the crunch hmm. jamaica for me number eight you're nuts it's the crunch Seven, J. The Crunch. Number seven, Dire Maker. The Crunch. Nope. That song remains the same. Nice. Shake it up, Zeus. Number six, J. No quarter. Ah! <laughs> Number six, Dancing Days. What? God. What? God, you, I, I, you know, God, song remains the same. All right, number six for me, Murph. I know I'm going with Jay. No quarter. Oh God, you're killing me. Jay five, Dancing Days. Oh, number five, song remains the same. Tom, this is tough for me because the next five songs could all possibly be number one. Number five, Over the Hills and Far Away. <gasps> oh, oh my god i just said these five songs are all 1a 1b 1c dire maker number five. Oh, oh god yes you have that you have that higher than no quarter it's wow. easy going you can relax to it uh, sure, fuck, uh, how uh, easy going uh, it is. Uh, it's uh, terrible terrible i look at you differently now it's like if so. jimmy buffett did zeppelin oh <laughs> jimmy buffett okay mustachio man <laughs> Four, Jay. The Ocean. Ah! Number four, The Ocean. Oh, you guys are just not even Zeppelin fans. Uh, This was almost my number one, and it's now my number four because I can't figure out my rankings. Yeah, I got the Rain song at four. I know. Yeah, it was almost my number one. Uh, Number four for me, The Ocean. Three, Jay. Over the Hills and Far Away. Number three, The Quarter. No quarter. The, <laughs> the, the, quarter. the hell's that? Hold on, hold on. 
Number three, no quarter. Uh, number three, Dancing Days. Number three is Over the Hills and Fodder Away. Jay. Number two, The Rain Song. Same for me. Number two, The Rain Song. Number two for me is The Ocean. Number two, The Rain Song. Jay, do it. Number one, Song Remains the Same. Ew. Pew. Pew. Horrendous pick. (laughs) No. Number one for me, over the over the hills and far away. I shouldn't say anything because you guys are going to yell at me because I got no quarter. The easy oh, number one no. for me. Hold on a second. You just gave me shit about Sarman's the same, and you pull that turd. Yeah, you because you're, you're, you're a, all fucking stupid. You're, <laughs> it goes to dancing days. We got whoa. four number ones. Wow, four different number ones. I love it. I love it. That's all right, awesome. what's next? All right, now covers. we're going to album covers. Yep. So, album covers. Jay, want to tell us what you have ranked right now? So, number one for me is Zeppelin 2. Number two is Zeppelin 4. Number three is Zeppelin 1. And number four is Zeppelin 3. Where's have- Houses of the Holy Go? Number five. Really? All right, Murph. All right, this should be uh, pretty easy. Number one. Zeppelin one, number two, Zeppelin three, number three, Zeppelin two, number four, Zeppelin four, number five is Houses of the Holy. Wow. Tom? I got Zeppelin three at number one. I got Zeppelin one at number two, Zeppelin two at number three, Zeppelin four at Zeppelin four. Look, I like this cover. I think the colors are awesome. The artwork is great, but it's got little kids naked asses on it. It's got to go five. I can't have this ranked. I'll be after. I'll have to register as a sex offender if I have this any higher than last. Well, call your local town people because I have Zeppelin three as one. I have Zeppelin one as two. Zeppelin two as three. Zeppelin four as four. This is going in at number two. I think the fucking color is fantastic. I think this is different. I think it's original. You know when you see those rocks. Which album this is, or the little purple people and stuff. You I barely agree. see anything. You don't see any genitals. You see butts. Big deal. No, I know. So, it's a great, it's a great cover. I think it's fucking very unique. So I yep. have this at number two. Yep. Let's go to album rankings. Jay, why don't you start us off? So I have Led's Up in four, number one, Led's Up in two at number two, and Led's Up in three at number three, and Led's Up in one at number four. Ooh, this is a tough one because it's a good album, um, but I got to put it at number five. Oh! <laughs> All right. I know, Murph's gonna, I know Murph's going to do the same thing. For me, Led Zeppelin 4, Led Zeppelin 3, Led Zeppelin 2, Led Zeppelin 1. I am going to put Houses of the Holy at number three after yes. Zeppelin 3 and before Zeppelin 2. Yes, all right, my rankings are simple. They're in order of release. Uh, right now, I have one, two, three, four in that order. I was going back and forth for like the last week on this because I absolutely love this album. Very, very difficult ranking. Today, it could be one. Tomorrow, it could be two. The next day after that, it could be three. Right now, I'm putting it at number two. Wow! And I'm doing that strictly on the weight. This, to me, is a top-heavy album. There are five songs on this album that are 
five star songs for me. Wow. Yeah, it's just it's that good of an album. The Crunch in Jamaica sync it, but it it's it the, those other songs are too good. I can't put it any lower. And again, we talk about this with Kiss Zeus. It's Zeppelin. Yep. 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 Tom, for me, I have Zeppelin three as my number one. Zeppelin four is two. Zeppelin two is three. Zeppelin one as four. I have it in the reverse order as you. And then Houses of Holy is going number five. Yeah. Um, I get again, it. I don't know. I could take some of the songs off Houses of Holy and maybe you go top three best songs, Houses of Holy versus top three best songs on any other album and it could compete. That's but where it that, falls yeah. off. Um, is consistency, of, yeah, consistency yeah. wise, yeah, yeah, and that's the problem I have. I agree, yeah. Oh, I love this, love it. House is the holy. All right, what we do next, we go to this. Thank you very much. I'd like to introduce Led Zeppelin to you. On bass guitar, John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones. On drums, John Bonham. Lead guitar, Jimmy Page. And myself, Robert Plant. It's time for Jay's Bootleg Spotlight. It's 1973 in the bootleg community for Led Zeppelin is known as the best year for Led Zeppelin in terms of recordings, in terms of shows, in terms of the performances. It is just an absolute incredible. There's so much to choose from. But there is one that above all else could possibly be, in my opinion, the best soundboard recording of any Led Zeppelin bootleg ever produced, ever released. And that is from Southampton in 1973. It's called Any Port in the Storm. It is an incredible performance. It is sounds so crisp. The only drawback is you don't get a lot of crowd noise. So it kind of lowers the synergy um, of the crowd and the band that you know people love and enjoy. But it is a great performance. It is a great bootleg. I highly recommend it. But there are so much to choose from. There's the one from Hamburg, Germany. There's the Seattle, Washington show. There's one called Tour de Force, which is... Um, one of the nights that was the song remains the same recording that was taken from song remains the same was taken over a few nights, but this is, I think one specific night, but any point in the storm, I'll tell you this quick story. I walked into a record convention, a vinyl convention, and I, someone had stolen this from me like 15 years ago before this, and I never replaced it. And I'm walking through and I see it boom, right on this vendor's, um, table. And I said, I'll take that. And usually in the bootleg community, you want to listen to it first. Guy goes, you don't want to listen to it? I go, I don't need to. I'll take it. How much you want are asking for it? He goes, 50 bucks. I go, done. And I got my new copy of Any Port in the Storm. But if you want a great bootleg, this is the one right here, ladies and gentlemen. So get Any Port in the Storm. Nice. Awesome. Great. Jay, want to tell people they can find you? Uh, this, I am the host of the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Uh, we talk about a lot of different things, a lot of new bands, a lot of legacy artists, and a lot of what's going on with the music business. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary and our 500th episode. We had right. to celebrate that. And we just did a great interview with Don Dockin that got picked up by Loudwire and Blabbermouth. So we're 
extremely proud of that. And also check out the Tracy Guns episode where he remembers Eddie Van Halen on the three-year anniversary of his passing. He talks about his friendship. I had no idea Tracy Guns golfed with Eddie until <laughs> this episode. So check it all out. And follow Ooh. us on all the social media platforms at The Hook Rocks. Wow. Murph, what about you, buddy? Where are you going to be? I'll be in New York City in two weeks with two of the people on this podcast right now. So look us up. We're going to see this band that's apparently playing at MSG or some club down there for two nights. <laughs> nice. Tom, us? Yeah, shout it out loudcast. If this is your first time listening to us, we are regularly a KISS podcast. A drop KISS-related episodes every Saturday. We do Zeppelin Chronicles once every time Haley's Comet flies by. And we do album review crew once a month. Check us out, shoutoutloudcast.com, and follow us on social media. What we do next is we end with famous last words. Over the hills and far away, my favorite lyric is, many have I loved and many times been bitten. Many times I've gazed along the open road. For me, I'll leave you with, it is a summer of my smiles. Flee from me. Keepers of the gloom. The devil mocks their every step. The snow drives back the foot that's slow. The dogs of doom are howling more. They carry news that must get through. I'm already scared, Tom. You should do a, <laughs> you should do a reading of that. I'll do a live reading of No Quarter. Well, I really creeped out all of a sudden. Yeah. So dancing days are here again as the summer evening grows. You are my flower. You are my power. You are my woman. Who knows? Jay, Murph, Tom, thank you. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays. Always a blast. Always a blast. Guys, this is awesome. I love Zeppelin. I want to do more of this. Let's go. Awesome time. House of the Holy. No quarter, baby. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 